Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross. Yannick Sinner is a major champion. He wins the 2024 Australian Open. Coming back from down two sets to love against Daniil Medvedev in his first career major final. Unbelievable stuff. It is one of the four best days of the year, in my opinion, the Monday after a major. I cannot wait to break down this final. I found it to be a fascinating match. But before I get into that match, in times like these, it's nice to zoom out and think about what the young man in Yannick Sinner has accomplished and how far he's come, how he reached the pinnacle of the sport and won his first major title. And uh, it leads me to just go back to thinking about where he started as a prospect. He came up, and as soon as you saw him winning challenger titles and breaking into the top 100 for the first time, he had can't-miss power off of both wings. And what everybody always talks about when it comes to, well, what's the first thing you thought about when you watched Yannick Center play for the first time? Everybody talks about the sound that the ball made coming off of his racket, that it was just different. Yeah, the power was different. The racket had acceleration, and it was easy, and it was smooth, and it came off of both wings. And that's... A very, very special quality that Yannick Sinner has always had. But it was never going to get him there. It was never going to get him to the pinnacle of the sport. Just the power. It just wasn't going to happen. And if that was enough, just hitting the ball great off of both wings with a lot of power. No disrespect, obviously, to two great players, but... Like Andre Rublev and Taylor Fritz are two guys where we've seen, okay, you're going to need a little bit more if you're going to win majors. Going to need a little bit more. Well, what got Sinner here was not that. It wasn't the power. It was everything else that has become so good where you look at him now and you don't know where he's not elite. I don't even think it is strong enough to say, well, he's got no weaknesses. Because having no weaknesses is one thing. But really, I think to be the best, to be at the very top, you can't just not have any weaknesses. You need to be really good at everything. And right now, it's really, really hard to say what Yannick Sinner is not good at. And that hasn't always been the case. Not even a little bit. Two years ago, you asked me that question. It would have been really easy. I would have said movement, serve, volleys, variety, controlling the forehand, dealing with nerves, durability, getting injured all the time. I can give you a grocery list of things that Yannick Sinner needed to get better at the time. And that just goes to show you how well he's done, how much hard work he's put in. Darren Cahill had a great quote. This was before the final. His coach, quote, you have to change and your game has to evolve. That's what Yannick has been attempting to do for the last couple of years. That's a great quality and that's what he needs to continue to do. Never stop evolving and never stop getting better. I've been trying to hammer this home, everybody. But the one common thread, the one quality that all of the best players, they all have it. 
is they are serial improvers. Elite tennis players, they come in different shapes, different sizes, different styles, different personalities, different strengths, different weaknesses. But here's one thing they all have in common. They are serial improvers. And Yannick Sinner, he is a serial improver. This final, it didn't start looking so good for Yannick Sinner. So I think the best way to, to go about this analysis is to go from the start of the match and slowly work our way to the end where Yannick Sinner would eventually win in five. I think I should say the score line just to cover my bases here. Medvedev won the first two sets. 6-3, 6-3. Sinner stormed back. 6-4, 6-4, All right, how did Medvedev win the opening two sets? Well, he came out and... Played vastly different tactics than I've ever seen him start a match playing or committing to for a long period of time. He scarcely resembled the player that he normally is stylistically at the start of this match. He came out with a close return position, higher ground stroke speeds, highly aggressive second serve returns, willing proactive net rushing, good volleys. Set one, he hit more winners than Yannick Sinner, 14 to 5. His ground stroke sp speeds through the first two sets, Medvedev averaged 80 miles per hour on the forehand. That is in the 99th percentile, that number. And he averaged 73 on the backhand. For the tournament heading into the final, Medvedev's averages were 74 on the forehand, 69 on the backhand. So that's six miles per hour up on the forehand, and it is four miles per hour up on the backhand. Let's talk about the close return position. Taking huge aggressive cuts on the second return. Sinner won four out of 13 of his second serve points. We talked about in the preview that Yannick Sinner throughout this Australian Open has been winning over 55% of his second serve points against everybody. Everybody. And Medvedev came out, Sinner only won 4 of 13 because Daniil was returning second serve more aggressively than he ever does. And this was the main thing that I wanted to see him adjust from his previous three matchups against Yannick Sinner. And it wasn't just the second serve return because Daniil came up with some phenomenal first serve returns, especially off of the slice serve wide on the deuce where he was cutting the ball off with his forehand and hitting hard, rushing returns. And normally, there is a trade-off there. If Medvedev is going to move up in the court, well, he's going to miss more returns. But Daniil dominated the free points battle in the first two sets. He wasn't missing a lot of returns. And by starting with the aggressive return position, maintaining the baseline hugging position in rally, he completely rendered Sinner's drop shots hopelessly ineffective. He got to all of them. He took that away from Yannick Sinner's game. And he rushed him from the baseline with those ground stroke speeds. There was also net rushing off of the short balls. We also talk about a potential trade-off when it comes to Medvedev net rushing because maybe we're not so sure about the volley execution. 
Oh, four for seven in the first set at net and eight of 12 in the second set coming forward for Medvedev. It was really the second set where the net rushing was a bigger deal compared to the first set. Eight of 12, excellent. No trade-off. And by the way, first two sets for Medvedev, especially the first set, first serve, absolutely money, giving him tons of damage and tons of easy points. So what were the conditions that allowed Medvedev to play this way in a way that goes really contrary to his personality as a tennis player stylistically? Well, the first thing and the biggest thing was he was starting the match without a full gas tank. That's what Medvedev said after the match was the main reason for his tactical change. He knew he could not play his regular style for as long as it would probably require. And there needed to be some energy conservation. So he went into these things, same thing that he did earlier in the tournament at times, which I'll get into in a moment. He also knew he was playing an opponent who had beaten him three consecutive times. I think that makes you more open to experimenting and making certain changes. In addition to that, he went to these tactics at times early in earlier in the tournament and they were effective, and they worked, that gives Daniil extra confidence to go out here in the final and start the match playing that way. He also said, and you can't discount this, he also said that he worked on a lot of this stuff in the offseason. I think particularly the closer return position, taking a little time away, perhaps being a little more aggressive off of the ground, which at times last year, Medvedev was really, really good at. And then maybe even the volleys. So obviously that work, he wasn't too specific about which parts. He didn't name which parts very specifically he worked on in the offseason, but he said that he had been working on some of the stuff more generally. And that liberates him to do this in a major final. So all of these things allowing Medvedev to reinvent himself at the start of this final. I don't think anyone would have touched him in set one. I don't think a single player on the planet would have been able to stay with him in set one. It was that kind of set where Daniil Medvedev was way too good. I think in the second set, Medvedev benefited from the first set performance and got in Sinner's head. I think Yannick was feeling a little bit shell-shocked. And I don't blame him at all. Imagine being Yannick Sinner. You've played Daniil Medvedev five times in the last year. And in the biggest match of your life, you take the court against this guy and he's like a totally different player. He hardly resembles the player that you took on five times last year. That is, oh, and by the way, he executes the game unbelievably well that he's playing. That is shocking, and Sinner, I don't think, initially reacted in the right way. Um, again, I don't blame him at all, but I thought the you know, coming into the match, I thought the confidence that Sinner had been kind of building with months and months and months of exceptional tennis and terrific results, I thought that would override 
the jitters that normally come with somebody playing in their first major final. But I think after Medvedev really jumped on him and got off to that fast start, what you have to remember is the memory for tennis players are extremely short and confidence is unbelievably fickle. And Sinner lost the mojo in the second set and definitely uh, started pressing and made way too many unforced errors. Unforced errors in the second set were 14 to 8. Sinner 14, Medvedev 8. I just think Medvedev in the first set was so clinical that Sinner got to a place where he didn't want to be attacked anymore. So he started changing direction off the ground, in my opinion, way too much off of quality. When somebody hits you a ball with great speed and great depth and some heaviness, there needs to be a respect for that ball where you need to understand that if you try to time a, a difficult redirection, you are likely to miss. You need to take that ball right back where it came from. If, if you're dealing with, again, high ground stroke speeds and great depth. And I just think Sinner was constantly trying to change direction off of these super difficult balls. The backhand was leaking errors. He was drop-shotting, Sinner was, without a positional advantage. That was hurting him. And I, I'm i a huge fan of Darren Cahill. I think he's a genius. But I want to also mention that Cahill's advice to Yannick in this moment, in the second set, I didn't quite agree with. It was stay aggressive and take the net away from him. So essentially, fight Daniil's aggression with your own aggression. And I didn't think that was the right call exactly because it ended up, it ended up putting Sinner in a place where his game was too one speed. His ground strokes were often coming in for Medvedev uh, fast at a comfortable height. So there wasn't any slice. There weren't any uh, slower, higher balls to buy himself time and make Medvedev generate a little bit more. And he also didn't react to being rushed by Medvedev by moving back at all. That's a good reaction. If somebody is really trying to take on the ball and the ground stroke speeds are, you know, average 80 miles per hour on the forehand like they were for Daniil, it can pay ma massive dividends to just move back a little bit. Give yourself that extra quarter second that can make all the difference in just producing a better shot because you buy yourself that extra time. Sinner didn't do any of those things. I thought it, it played into Medvedev's hands. And that is my assessment as a whole of the opening two sets. So at this point, my mind starts working. I'm thinking, what if Medvedev keeps this up? And by the way, I'll also address, I started to get some comments online about my prediction. And uh, let me say this. At this point, with Daniil Medvedev up two sets to love, I 100% thought my prediction was on its way to being wrong. I was also, I had never in my life been prouder of a preview video. Not once. I literally think it might be the best preview video, and I don't care about my prediction here. Might have been some of the best previewing I've ever done. Because here comes Daniil Medvedev coming out and implementing a pretty radical game plan that goes against what he normally does. And it was actually exactly what I thought he had to do, exactly what I thought he should do, exactly what I said was his only chance to win the match. So I was 
that's where my my head was at at the time. I was I was super super happy with the the preview video, even though it was going the other way compared to you know what I thought would end up happening. Uh, but I'm also thinking, okay, what would be my takeaways here for Medvedev? I want to stop here and address this now before I get to Sinner's turnaround and start focusing more on Yannick. I was thinking that if Medvedev closed this out, it would go down as one of the most remarkable slam runs in terms of physical and mental resilience of all time. I was thinking about how I was going to argue on this show that we need to rethink his potential as a player because he's showcased so many new abilities. But let's take a moment here because we get very caught up with results when we are following tennis. Who won, who lost. And who won and who lost changes our perception in a very drastic way, which in some ways it probably shouldn't. Now, the history books do not care about any of this for Daniil Medvedev. All the history books will will know is that Yannick Sinner won the 2024 Australian Open. But we don't have to be the history books. We can be analysts here. And we can have takeaways for Medvedev that don't, don't put him in the in this box as somebody who lost, somebody who came up short, and therefore we can't take away massively positive takeaways. I I refuse to get sucked into that. I want to try to see the bigger picture here. And this is the bigger picture. For six sets of tennis, Daniil Medvedev executed a style that can change his career. Six sets of tennis. I'm talking about the fifth set against Hercotch. I'm talking about sets three and four against Zverev. I'm talking about sets one and two against Yannick Sinner. The return position I've been talking about for years. It had been holding him back against the very best players in the world. And in the last major final, for example, you can go back and watch and or recall that analysis of Medvedev versus Djokovic. I said, I feel very, very strongly and very, very clearly that Medvedev's return position was the reason he lost in straight sets. That second set was his, but the return position killed him. So we saw the return position improve. The transition game has hurt him forever against the best defenders. You think back to the Australian Open final that he lost against Nadal. From up two sets to love in 2022, Medvedev's transition game was one of the major themes where I'm like, that really may have cost him the match. The baseline passivity arguably has also left him vulnerable in rare occasions against those who can find a way through his defense. Again, not a lot of guys, but every once in a while he runs into that. And the point that I'm trying to make here is he showed in this tournament that he has the skills to overcome all of those things, all of those shortcomings. And I'm just incredibly intrigued to see if he can do it long-term, consistently. I think Medvedev might get shit for blowing another lead, but I think this run can turn into a 
massive building block for success to come. And Daniil was asked about this after the match. He said the core of his game is probably going to stay the same, which it probably should. He's had so much success this way. But now there are options. And I hope Daniil never forgets the kind of tennis that he was able to come up with on this Australian Open runner-up run. Okay, that brings us to the third set. Early on in the third set, I think it's important to note that the serve performances reversed. They did a 180. They went the other, the other direction on both sides of the net. Sinner, who had not been serving well for the first two sets, made 68% of his first serves in set three, and he won 17 of 19 first serve points. Medvedev, who had been making his first serves, dropped to 50% in the third set. That played a big part in just turning the screw a little bit early in the third when Yannick really needed more confidence and more momentum. That brings us to the 4-5 game in the third set. Medvedev in this game, he goes 3 of 8 on first serves in. So they got into more ground stroke rallies. And Sinner made an adjustment. Sinner made some crucial improvements. Recall how earlier I talked about how there he was pressing. He was making too many errors. Uh, his game was too one-speed. Uh, the depth wasn't there. The mixing of heights wasn't there. And, and that he didn't move back. In this 4-5 game, Sinner moved back a bit. He put more shape on the ball. And he had way, way better depth. Backhand got, got more solid. Thought maybe he started to use his legs a little bit more to stay down on the two-hander. Going a bit more often cross-court. And uh, the offense, the offensive backhand down the line, which was misfiring consistently throughout the match, it started to click. I think the reason it started to click is because Sinner got himself into a groove moving back a little bit and finding his timing, going a little bit safer with more height cross court. Then he started to feel the ball to a point where he could rip down the line and actually execute it better. But he hit a big one at deuce in this game. So to reiterate, Medvedev first serves went away. Sinner started focusing on depth and got very consistent. And also Medvedev didn't have the same fearlessness. So let's start with the, the screenshots here. Um, because Medvedev has a chance for 5-all this 4-5 game in the third set. And Sinner is going to hit a really good cross-court forehand trade here. The depth is going to be the magic here. Medvedev forehand tries to trade it down the line. He misses it long. He caught this ball a little bit late, again, because Sinner played this forehand cross-court with so much depth. And then here is the breakpoint set point for Sinner, 4-5 in the third. Great serve by Medvedev. Sinner launches himself at the ball. Nice, athletic, balanced stretch return. Medvedev steps into this backhand. Um, still hits an open stance, but he, he is moving forward as he hits this. And my feeling here is that Medvedev in the first set probably would have hit a really big backhand and come forward. And instead, he hits a somewhat big backhand, but not really big enough to put Sinner off balance. And he does not come in. 
So center, open stance, sliding backhand defense. He's gotten so good at this. Through the middle of the court. Medvedev, this looks like a comfortable forehand. It's actually not because he's having to move back as he hits it because he's recovering from his backhand that he hit inside the court. He's just kind of moving backwards and he misses this long and Sinner gets the break of serve. So he wins set three here and there were some concerns at this point when it comes to Neil Medvedev. That odometer on his legs that was trending towards the most time on court that anybody ha has ever spent. I, I do, um, I'm, I'm quite positive he broke the record for the most games played at the Australian Open in a single year. So that odometer continued to tick up and you think, what's going to happen with his legs here? Are they going to betray Daniil? Medvedev never got tired of running in this match, but his legs did start looking like jelly. And I think one area where you saw that clearly is so many of the backhand misses, I thought he looked far too upright and just wasn't wasn't getting down through the court on his two-hander, missing a lot of uncharacteristic double-handed backhands uh, that, to me, his legs just weren't engaged in them at all. So there was the, the legs part, the physical part for Medvedev after he lost set three. There's also the scar tissue from Australian Open 2022. That had to creep into his mind to some extent. Now, maybe Medvedev did a good job of pushing it out and not thinking about it a lot, but he was at least aware of it. Daniil's a very cerebral guy. Any tennis player would have been aware of it. That is what is so damaging about these things happening is because when you get in these situations, I don't think Daniil thought about it at all coming into the final, not even for a second. I don't think he thought about it at all in the first set or the second set. Once you lose the third set, and it's, wow, I already blew a two sets to love lead here in the final at this event. Well, yeah, now, now you start thinking about it. It's common sense. So these are the concerns. And I think from here, the most important thing for Sinner is to not play that one bad service game. Not give Medvedev that opening, which in turn gives him the adrenaline shot which we had seen throughout the tournament where whether it be Zverev or Hercoc or maybe Rusevori, they, they throw in that loose game and now Daniil smells a little blood and it completely wakes up his physicality. He sees the finish line. He has an advantage and he pushes through. The most important thing for Yannick was to not let that moment happen. And the best chance, the biggest chance where it looked like that possibly was going to happen was three all in the fourth set. This was the most important game of the match for Yannick Sinner. I put my stake in the ground when I say that. And I don't think anybody's going to talk about it, but I feel very strongly this was the game where Yannick Sinner won the Australian Open more than any other game. I never like to make that statement absolute because you got to play a whole match. But if there's one game, it's this one for me. Here's the context. In the third set, when Sinner got his first serve really rolling, on the ad side, he was very dominant with the flat serve out wide. So I have up on the screen on YouTube here that Sinner served 75% 
of his serves in the third set out wide on the ad side. And three of those six serves ended up being aces, and he won six out of six. He won every single time where he went uh, out wide on the ad side. That is the context for this three-all game where Daniil Medvedev has a 15-30 opening. And he knows with the close return position on a big point, he needs to do a little bit of leaning. And where's he going to lean? There's no doubt what the right answer is. He needs to take away the wide serve that had been firing for Sinner throughout the last hour or so of play. So that's what he does. Look at Daniil's positioning here as Sinner goes to strike his serve. He's got, I would say, three quarters of his body past the single sideline. And Sinner, with a great against-the-grain serve, pops the ace right down the tee. That gets it to 30-all, but Medvedev wins the 30-all point, and now it's break point. We're going to see again, Medvedev, same positioning. You are not going to hit your out-wide serve, Yannick Sinner. And Yannick goes, oh, okay, cool. Well, I'll hit my against-the-grain serve again. And it's back-to-back against the grain, beautiful tee serves on the ad side. Sinner hits another ace. Now we go to this point at deuce, and it's a second serve. Yannick cannot use his first serve to get him out of this one. So he hits the, the second serve, kind of rolls it in, middle of the court, and Medvedev makes a huge mistake here. It is not the same Daniil Medvedev that we saw in the first and the second set. And Daniil just really massages this ball into the middle of the court and gives Sinner plenty of time to unload on his inside-out forehand. And he hits a winner. Now it's game point, And Medvedev says, okay, you have hit two aces T in a row on the ad side. I'm still in this game. Let me now move over a little bit. So I, I see you, Yannick. Good job on the last two serves, but I'm not going to let you hit the ace up the tee again. He shifts over, and now you can see his left foot is aligned with the single sideline. So he, he's moved over. I would. It's tough to put a unit of measurement. I would say Daniil has moved over half a body, probably about two feet over to his right. Sinner goes... All right, well, now I'll just pop the ace out wide. How about that, folks? Three aces beating Medvedev in the anticipation guessing chess match. And this is where you see, obviously, also one of the major improvements that Yannick Sinner has made in the last year, his first serve. This was spectacular. Now, I also want to say down the stretch of this match that the unsung hero of Yannick Sinner's comeback was his return of serve. Sinner's return was really, really important in this situation because that's the one thing that Daniil, that's the one weapon or the shot for Daniil. He'll never stop bombing with full-blooded aggression. That's his first serve. He's never going to hold back on that shot no matter what physical or mental state he's in. 
And we had seen in the tournament that when fatigue set in and he was in a bit of trouble, that was his most important weapon to get him out of these situations. The Hercotch match really stands out. Fifth set against Hercotch, where his first serve took over. The thing is, is Yannick Sinner, he's too good. That's not really going to happen against him. After the third set, where Medvedev had the tough serving set, I do want to acknowledge Medvedev served really well in the fourth set, really well in the fifth set, well over 70% in both of them. And I thought he served well enough, theoretically, for the serve to carry him through to potentially get to those late set situations where maybe he could give a final push or maybe center would get nervous. But in sets four and five, despite making so many first serves, his total unreturned percentage was only 26%, which was not enough. It's not bad, but it's not enough to single-handedly carry him over the line once Sinner started outplaying him from the back of the court. Compare that to the fifth set against Hercotch. Against Hercotch, Medvedev, 38% of his service points were unreturned serves. Not first serves. I'm talking about service points. So that is a phenomenal and dominant percentage. That's what he couldn't do against Sinner because Yannick didn't let him. In my opinion, Sinner has the best return of serve for a young player since Djokovic and Murray. I, I absolutely adore his return of serve. So we've covered the Sinner baseline adjustments. We have covered the first serve coming through for him and winning that chess match in the most important game of the match. We have covered his return of serve and how it took away Daniil Medvedev's easiest path to victory once his legs got tired. But another big part of Sinner's comeback was that Medvedev got away from what was working in the first two sets. And let's look at some examples of that. Here is Medvedev in the fourth set at 4-5 in a game he would ultimately be broken. He's up 30-15. Look at this mid-court forehand he has, up 30-15. And he hits it cross-court, and he's literally closer to the service line than he is the baseline. First and second set, Daniil Medvedev. He's coming in on this ball. A hundred percent he's coming in on this ball. But instead he moves back. And now Sinner, who's got this awesome running forehand, one of his, if not his singular best shot, he's going to hit this hard right through the middle. And uh, Medvedev is rushed. He's rushed because he's inside the court here. And Sinner is getting quite a lot on this forehand. And Medvedev is like in no man's land here. So that's a tough position. Medvedev misses, his back, misses this backhand long. And here's 40-30 in this game. So now Medvedev has a game point to get to 5-all. And this is a backhand, a backhand rally. Medvedev hits this backhand trade. And this is what he kind of went back to against Sinner from the in the baseline rallies that he couldn't afford to go back to. Where this backhand trade, Medvedev takes the pace off and he hits it deep through the middle, but it's that classic Medvedev soft, flat, low racket speed almost guides it 
through the middle of the court. And then with his court position, he's going to guide the ball softly middle of the court, and then he's going to move back to the Melbourne sign. And that's really typical Daniil Medvedev. And most players would not be able to attack this ball effectively. Most players don't have the power from the baseline off of a deep ball by Medvedev when Daniil is in defensive position. But Sinner's forehand is not your normal forehand. And he unleashes inside out. Medvedev does defend quite well. But Sinner, this is a shot that he used so well throughout the match. Against Medvedev's defense, he's going to take the ball out of the air with his forehand drive volley. And he's going to hit it for a winner. It's unbelievable how good Sinner is when you give him time on the ball. And what really happened was his forehand, it became the best shot on the court. And it took over the match in the vast majority of these baseline rallies. He also got to hit more forehands. He he found far more forehands because he had time to run around the ball. And he stopped missing forehands. And the power was breathtaking. He bullied Medvedev, whose legs were compromised, who couldn't quite defend as explosively as he normally would. He bullied that version of Daniil Medvedev with his offensive forehands. Yannick, in the fourth set, built a five-point advantage in rallies five shots or more, and a seven-point advantage in the fifth set in rallies five shots or more, which was statistically far more significant than the difference between the two in the zero through four shot rallies, which I believe Sinner had a tiny, tiny minuscule edge in as well. So we do have to answer why. Why did Medvedev get away from what worked for him in the first two sets? Why didn't he continue to average 80 miles per hour on the forehand, take the ball early, come forward all the time? Well, for me, the answer is that it's really hard to go against your habits when you get nervous. I mean, I see this time and time again. Um, to go against the grain of habit is so difficult under the most extreme pressure. What Medvedev did in terms of the, the execution of, of the style that he played for the first two sets, I would call that 9 out of 10 impressive. The only way it would have been 10 out of 10 impressive is if he never wavered, if he did it from start to finish, if he was able to deal with the finish line pressure and still execute that, that would have been the 10 out of 10. Didn't quite get there. I prefer this reasoning over the fatigue reasoning. Now, I know that some people will argue that the reason why Medvedev stopped playing that style is because he got too tired to play that style. And that is what Daniil said. And I'm not going to poo-poo that theory altogether. Not at all. Um, it does take quite a bit of energy to produce big ground strokes consistently. Uh, I mean, coming forward does take explosive movement. I mean, all that is kind of true. But at the same time, it doesn't make as much sense to me, that reasoning. It just doesn't. I usually try to go with the player there. Whatever the player says, just kind of buy it. But also, when it doesn't make much sense, then it doesn't make much sense. And in this case, Medvedev was saying, well, I was I was fatigued and that's why I stopped. But if you look at how the rest of the tournament run had gone, it was specifically 
the moments of, of extreme Medvedev fatigue and specifically the moments of Medvedev, in some cases, just kind of giving up the expectation that he was going to win the match mentally, which is what he talked about. It was those moments where he played his most aggressive tennis and he did the things that he did in the first two sets against Sinner. He didn't start the matches playing like that. He did those things with the huge ground strokes and the net rushing, Hercotch in the fifth set. He did those things after he was dead tired. So now he says, now he says now, and a lot of fans I see online saying now that he didn't do those things because he was tired. Well, which one was it? Not to mention, what requires more energy? Running to corners or hitting big? Playing long rallies, which the average rally length skyrocketed in sets four and five. Well, what takes more energy? Hitting big and point shortening or running corner to corner like he did when he got more and more tired? Running corner to corner. So again, I'm sorry. I, I try my best to go with the player, but it doesn't make any sense. So in this case, rare case, I'm going to go against it. And I'm going to say the bigger reason why Medvedev couldn't keep up the way he was playing in the first two sets was the pressure. It's very hard to not default to what you're comfortable with when you're under extreme pressure. In this case, from the finish line being so close. Um, now, I'll also say fifth set. What happened in the fifth set? Medvedev did go to a lot of uh, point shortening tactics. Let's throw in some screenshots here. So this is the 2-3 game where Medvedev gets broken in the fifth set. And here's a plus one forehand. Daniil goes big and misses just wide on the left sideline. Well, actually, it'd be the it'd be Daniil's right, but our left on the inside out. Uh, now at love 15, Medvedev takes a, uh, a short ball that he has on the backhand and he hits a, a cross-court shot here that, honestly, he, he should have gone down the line. Um, and if he was going to go cross, he just needed more angle. It just needed to be bigger. But hey, Daniil, what does he do on the short ball? He comes forward on the short ball. That looks a lot like what he was doing early on. Unfortunately, the approach shot, while it was deep, there wasn't much else that was good about it other than the depth. And Sinner, great timing here. Really, really pure backhand down the line. Nails this passing shot. Now it's love 30. Second serve, Medvedev serves and volleys. You know me, I am not a huge fan of the second serve, serve and volley. But in this case, it's not the decision that I can criticize because Daniil had his backhand volley. Pretty routine, pretty easy. He has court to hit into as well, to volley into, I should say. And he blows the backhand volley in the net. Wins the next point, 15-40. And then on break point, Sinner gets another look at a second serve. He hits three massive forehands. First one on the return. Next one inside in. Next one cross court. It's a winner. Forehand comes up big again. I can't say enough about how good Sinner's forehand was down the stretch for the remainder of the fifth set after going up a break. You look at his two service holds, Sinner's two service holds, the forehand large and in charge as it had been since the start of the fourth set, as soon as Daniil started to give him just a little bit of a lick of time and he moved back and added some shape 
to get himself back into the match. Sinner had an awesome one on match point. So usually this is where I do some kind of conclusion, but I just feel like I've said most of what I want to say already. Uh, congrats to Yannick Sinner and his fans. Steve Flink interview and a mailbag as always this week. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.